Welcome back. In this episode, we're going to do something slightly different. Um, ordinarily, those of you who've listened to our previous episodes, we do tend to have guests in that we interview. However, what we did want to do is have a look at some examples of bad placemakings and have a little discussion about them. Yes. So I started by sending Trey a, uh, a to-do, I suppose some homework since, since last episode. <laughs> As if I'm not busy enough. I know, in all your free time. And what I did ask for from her were three examples of bad placemaking. And she says, shall I tell you what I've chosen? And I said, no. And she said, what if we've chosen the same things? And I said, that would be kind of cool if we had. I think it was more, there's so much bad placemaking out there <laughs> that it's statistically impossible that we would ever pick the same. I know. And I am going to try and be a little bit... Um, now, well, I was about to say, I'm going to try and not be too specific with my placemaking, but there's one example of placemaking that is pretty obvious where it is. So. Oh, all of mine are like, that sucks, that sucks, <laughs> that fire him. Well, so we're going to be a little bit judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully also what we can do is a little spin on it as well. So maybe we can analyse why these examples of placemaking potentially don't work or really don't work. Um, and what you can do to try and mitigate against those kind of examples okay so i'm going to get trey to go first ah. i've not, i've not seen this so i'm not sure what trey is going to bring to the table so this is me my blind reaction go on <laughs> what oh, i want to see oh i see i'm passing them over okay do you know what all of those are i've just looked at the top one and Go on, explain. And I would like you to give a, uh, a description of what it is. Okay, from the top of my list. Just do the so first one. So it's in no particular order. No, 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 just do the first one. Okay. Um, the Porth Call, which is South Wales, benches. Okay, and describe what the Porth Call benches look like. Uh, the Porth Call benches look like very boring standard benches. And I know you're thinking... But hey, oh, don't most benches look like benches? How can that be an example of bad placemaking? Now, Paul's Call has got a very, very lovely coastline for anyone that's visited. It's got, I mean, there's the concrete beach. That was like a second bad example of placemaking. But that's not the one I'm looking at. I'm looking at a very recent one. And the they decided that they were going to put in some lovely new benches all the way up the Esplanade. And... Um, and very welcome too, because there's a lot of people around there, lots of houses, lots of hotels that would really love to be able to sit out and look at the sea. Lots of people with butts that need to sit them. Yes, exactly, and mm -hmm. lots of benches to put those butts on. However, the people in their wisdom installed them the wrong way around. So you sit with your back to the sea looking <laughs> at a very old hotel. <laughs> um, to which everyone was like, um, don't you think these benches are the wrong way around for saying that it's stunning that way? And that way it's just peeling paint, don't you think? And they went very quiet for a little while. Mm, mm, what could this possibly be? Mm. <laughs> ah, yes, you see, to you they're backwards. But actually, 
they're selfie benches. So you can sit on the bench and when you take a photo, you've got the sea in the no. background. Yes. No. They're selfie. And everyone was like, they're not selfie benches. There's no thing about selfies. There's no lower backs. There's no <laughs> there's no signs to say that they're not selfie benches. Yeah. No. So you're telling me not only did they make a really poor decision, they didn't own that decision. I'm not they sure tried if to made justify it. Poor decision or whether they just hadn't told the contractors that the benches needed to face the scenery and so not it, the town. it was either a poor decision or it was or poor communication. communicated, yes. Oh, so then they turned around and said, no, no, there's selfie benches. They're new and fancy and cool and now you can have the sea in the background while you sit and look at this peeling hotel. <laughs> uh, and the town went, oh, no, I don't think they are. And they went, oh, no, they are. No, they are very fancy. And they went, oh, no, I don't think they are. So they've turned one of them around. So now one of them is a selfie bench and the other one is an actual bench for those that actually would maybe possibly like to see the sea oh the Porth coal benches <laughs> oh that's really sad I think it's what makes it more depressing is the fact that there was an argument with the people whose whose place it is yes that's it yeah I think that the number one bugbear I have is not listening to the community and not only did they not listen to the community they tried to say say oh actually voice of the community <laughs> you're wrong no, we don't know. <laughs> you, you don't know completely how you misunderstood yeah. the use of this bench yeah. no so that's poor all round really isn't it I, I can forgive a bad bit of place making if it was an honest mistake if it was a communication error between them and the contractors own it fix it jobs are fish or just put in a sign Saying selfie bench. <laughs> Don't do that. Do it so that there's like a place to rest your phone so someone can do it for you. You know, just really make it a selfie bench. Oh. It is or it isn't. It isn't both. But what I can't, yeah, no, you just you if you make a if you make a bad decision, if it was poor planning, which the cynic in me might suspect it it was, actually. If it was poor planning, then again that 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 harps back to a, a rooted problem then of you know lack of joined up thinking lack of consideration for your public the people who actually this place is meant for and tourists of course um but then also trying to justify it afterwards um which sounds like they were trying to justify it so they didn't have to spend money yeah. it's just it's poor show guys poor show sorry Pothcall, you you didn't do that one, Mark. <laughs> but at least they have now half rectified it. Half rectified it, yeah. So you and your friends can sit across two benches facing away from each other. Don't travel in big groups to Portugal. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna we're gonna move on to my first choice. And I don't know whether you've seen this or not. <laughs> um, but have you seen the mound outside the Marble Arch, so the Marble... No, we have done the same one. Oh, have no. we? That was my second one. Okay, Well amazing. done place, there's not that many examples of bad place making. Yeah, my next one was the mound. Okay, so um, do you, since, <laughs> since it is one of yours as well, do you want to give a little bit of an overview about what the mound was? No, I'm sure what they were no, no, <laughs> What they were trying to do... Um, so the mound was about bringing a little bit of the countryside into an urban area. Central yeah. urban area, yeah. Right, central urban area. <laughs> Not urban enough. So when people are stood on top of people, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and they decided that they were going to create this lovely bit of placemaking where you could go up the hill and see for miles and it was going to be beautiful and you were going to be pay you were going to pay eight pounds for the privilege of going up and having a look out and going, Oh, yes, it's nice on this hill that you never get in a central urban area. Um However, no, well, yeah, no. So let's talk about the premise first of all. So actually the idea of being a, bringing a bit of countryside into an urban area, I think is a sound one. Works so well, yeah. If you look at like city farms and all those sorts of initiatives and large parklands, um, it's even covered in a book I'm reading now about how important it is to have that green space and country. Have a look at some of the work that City of Trees are doing and involved with as well. I mean, there's some really great initiatives out there that do this very successfully. And I did like the ambition of building a mini mountain as well and making it a green space i thought that was kind of cute however However. um, i'll list a couple of the things that potentially didn't work so well um it actually ended up costing six million pounds yes which was triple the original budget yes so probably would have been cheaper to take most of london on a coach to the countryside exactly and, you, and <laughs> as much as we'd love to have unlimited purse for um great placemaking initiatives you can't bail out a bad placemaking <laughs> initiative no. just by spending three times the amount of money on because what really frustrates me about that is a lot of amazing initiatives that cost but a fraction yeah could have been more successful because let me just um i've got a a nice article here from urbanista and that's talking about it and it was saying in this article initial individual ticket prices were eight pounds however they were hastily scrapped because very very few people were willing to pay that price Um, and the attraction had to temporarily close when the plants and the grass on the hill began to die So even if the concept behind this and the actual making of the mound had worked, there was obviously an oversight in upkeep, an oversight in um, whether or not people actually wanted it. So again, you weren't talking to your public. You weren't talking to the people whose place this is. You were just taking an idea, sticking it there and assuming people would thank you for it, which... It's not the way Which we know folks. doesn't work. Absolutely. Absolutely not. And then the last point here is um, after having managed to scramble up the mound, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the height of it was insufficient <laughs> to be able to see over the treetops anyway. So the vantage point you got was not the vantage point they were offering originally. Or that you'd paid £8 for... To see tops of trees. Tops of trees. I think it would have been cheaper to just put a ladder on that tree and go up. Just climb the tree. Yeah, just put a platform <laughs> on it. There you go. Job done. Works in the rainforest. Yeah. So, I mean, all around, public were not consulted. Because I'm pretty sure if they had been there, they'd have said, no, you're all right. Yeah, I don't think that anyone was sat there and thought, you know, only there was a mound I could spend £8 for. To walk up. To walk up. And not see further than I can physically see on the floor. <laughs> Full of lush, <laughs> dead grass. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just such a shame because there was obviously a pot of money there that could have really been really, really well spent. Now, there is a point at this, po- uh, this 
section of the podcast where I do want to talk about risk taking. So placemaking isn't always an easy thing because what you're trying to do realistically is put something new and interesting out for people to enjoy. Absolutely, it's hard, isn't it? You are you're going to make mistakes, yeah. and there has to be um, a level of willingness to take a risk. But I think if you're going to spend six million pounds on a project, you have to have done better research. Absolutely, yeah. And also be prepared for a better amount of upkeep. Because the fact that all of the plants started to die. Yeah, you should have spent five on the mound and a million on watering it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so whilst we're not saying any new initiative idea is going to fail that's not true okay but you have to be prepared there are there will be a proportion of your ideas and the things that you try that won't work out but to try and mitigate that as much as you can and there are things that you can do consultation is definitely the first one and you know asking people what they want and what they want out of their spaces you know I just it beggars belief that this project got to the point where it was three times overspend and then it still failed is beyond me. And I'm sure if they'd just spoken to the local area there would have been like a community park would be nice. <laughs> a free community a park. A free community park, yeah, for a million. Just plonk it there. That'd be great. Job job. Job job. Yeah. Could have okay. had six of those across the Well, since that that was technically from both of our lists. Shall I do my next one? Yes, do. Okay. Just getting it up. I want to share. Oh. I really hope it's not the same as mine or this is. Um, I don't think it will be. I'm just showing Tracy now. No. Okay. So I've sh- I'm going to show the producers as well because they're like, what are you going to show me? I will put these images in the show notes as well. We'll try and put an image uh, detailing each of our choices. So actually... There's a number of pieces of placemaking in this particular choice of mine. Yeah. And what I would call them and what um, the big issue has called them is um, anti-homelessness architecture. Do you know that was going to be one of mine? Um, and then I removed it off my list because I felt like it was me going benches and benches. <laughs> and so I, so I took it off and swapped it for something else. Yes. So there are a number of examples of um, anti-homelessness architecture. Um, And I'll just describe a couple of them. And some of them are benches. Usually what happens is it's making a bench uncomfortable to lie on, but comfortable to sit on. Or, as in an example, I'm just going to show train now. It's a window window ledge that, if I'm honest, has got spikes on it. So not pigeon spikes. Not pigeon spikes. These are like uh, the size of a tennis, half a tennis ball, but not as friendly. So there you go. (laughs) Friendly half a tennis ball. Oh, hello, tennis ball. (laughs) Yes. So um, (laughs) anti-homelessness architecture, what is it? It's just different ways of making sure that anybody who's homeless will not lie in a certain area. Yep. Um, So there are benches that have got um, separations on them. Yep. And they are specifically designed so nobody can lie down on them. There are, as we've just discussed, the spikes. Um, There's also, I can't seem to find it now. Oh, oh. Have I gone? No. Shall I close that? Uh, Hang on, I'm just going to close. Nobody can stand. (laughs) Yeah, they're not listening. (laughs) It's all just work for you, really. No one's... Here we go. 
But the example I've put at the top of my list is the rocky pavements. So um, I don't know if you've seen them, but they are concrete slabs yeah. that are knobbly bobbly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe them. And they are installed in places that are um, renowned for having homeless people sleep there. Yeah. And they are essentially an uneven ground that makes it uncomfortable for people to sit down or lie down. Any of these interventions have been put there specifically to make life harder for those who had hard, hard lives. Where is the compassion where is the understanding and support for our community in those decisions? That's it. It's not like they've said, we're going to do this, however, there's this place for you to go. Like No. And there you are can't some take amazing things away and put nothing into No, exactly. And there's an amazing there's a number of amazing um, homeless pods that are in car parks that are starting to spring up and down the UK. Um, and I wish I'd have uh, put some examples. I'll put them in the show notes. I'll I'll put put some links to some really wonderful initiatives. But you don't have to put the anti-homelessness architecture in place. You just need to tackle homelessness. You just (laughs) need to tackle homelessness. And the temporary homeless pods or the home pods, mini pods or whatever they've called in various different places are wonderful because they do the thing that, I don't know, these people (laughs) these placemakers have decided in a much more compassionate and thoughtful and dare I say it kind way yeah and what really gets me is so they know that what they've done isn't okay because they badge it as like oh no it's to stop people skateboarding like how many people are skateboarding really and like oh no and also what the hell is wrong with skateboarding what the hell is wrong with and like so put in a bit between benches. Oh no, it's to keep people separate so that they feel like they've got their own personal space. So, but we're still dictating how big a person should be or um, how they sit, how they sit, or that they can't be in a wheelchair and go over these bobbly pavements, mm-hmm. or they can't have heavy push chairs. So you're not just penalising the people that you're claiming you're not penalising, but you are really. Yeah, you're penalising all of society under the guise that these nuisance skateboarders that are apparently plaguing our streets that we know do not exist um and that it needed to be fixed and it's just dumbfounding it's really it, it is really upsetting and actually um you know in in my previous life as a videographer i worked really closely with a local homelessness charity um the local ymca um and i had it was a real honour, really, to go out with them on one of their early morning uh, walks, about 5.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I'd had a coffee. Um, And meet local homeless people, look at some of the wonderful work that, you know, that charity and also lots of other charities are doing to try and, you know, help. And help sometimes means give a room to or advice to or just a hot shower to or... But then, on the flip side of that, to see how local decision makers are thinking it's okay to put in elements like that into their places where you are just saying, we don't want you here. Yeah. Off your trot. We're going to make it as difficult as we can for you. 
member of our community who we should be looking after. You know, it's just beggar's belief. Yeah, well, there's even orders now, isn't there, about homelessness? Like, oh, you can be homeless, but not on this street. You need to move on to another street so you don't mess up how our optics look to our visitors. Yeah, placemaking is for everybody, people. We can't start ignoring a a sector of society just because it's convenient to. Yeah, and we don't like how it looks. Yeah, man. Anyway, high horse gotten off (laughs) do you you want to uh, go to your next and final example yes Um, we've got lots of high horses today yeah we do there's a whole stable (laughs) full of them um a stable full of high horses is that what we're gonna call this episode (laughs) i think it should be either that or half a lovely tennis ball i think (laughs) i enjoyed that one very much you're welcome um, so I don't know how to say this because I only know it as orbit, but it's the Arcella Mitre Mitre Orbit Tower. Do you remember this one? You'd know it to see it. Show me a picture because I'm better with pictures. Um, She's just going to Google. I am. Um, so for those that do know, it's, by <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the tower by Anish Kapoor that was built for the Olympic Games in London. I know how you feel about Anish Kapoor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a very different. Uh, so that tower. They do Producers that tower. Yeah. So for those that don't know it, it was a suspended platform on what can only be described as a compressed Alton Towers ride that (laughs) that had been left in the store for deconstruction. When they unveiled it to their fanfare, people said, aren't you still building it? Because it still looked like it was just scaffolding. So, do-do-do, fell on its butt. No one was impressed. No one got it. From what I've read... Certain politicians said, hey, Anish, great job. Maybe we could possibly do something extra with we'll it. Work, we'll work it a bit. Yeah, let's <laughs> know. No, we won't change it. No, we're not saying change it. We're just saying level it up. So they got a man, I can't remember his name now, um, to wrap round it a very long slide. Um, so now it's got this sort of steel tubing wrapped all the way around it, and apparently it's the world's longest slide, which is amazing. Having the world's longest slide, I am all for that. But it wasn't the world's longest slide. They have made it because it flopped. Like, nobody wanted it. Nobody needed it. We've now got this huge viewing tower. I think they're using it for events and stuff, which is great. That's cool. And I imagine the views from there, awesome. But, oh, wow. What was that? And to think of how much money that went into it, and then we had to wrap something around it and say, no, no, it's it's a very cool slide. Phase two. Phase two was that we were always going to do something extra with it. I mean, what I do like about that story is they at least acknowledge... <laughs> they Paul benched it. They sort of half-turned one around. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to take something that doesn't work, I'm glad they went down the, what can we do to make it fun Absolutely. route? So that was nice. I do like the fact that you can, it's a giant helter-skelter, let's be honest, people. Uh. <laughs> but, you know, it could have been prettier. I'm all Absolutely. for a bit of creativity, sculptural, something a little left field. I mean, public art's a different one, a different, a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're never going to please all the people all the time 
But however, <laughs> this is a permanent architectural structure that was supposed to be for the benefit of the region for many, many years to come. Mm-hmm. We're not saying it's a mound. It's not temporary. It's How much not- do you think they got Anish Kapoor because of his name? Oh, well, like you said, how I feel about Anish Kapoor, I'm not really a big fan of any of his work, to be honest, or any of the way he treats colour rights, or <laughs> I could probably go on for it. But yeah, it was absolutely because Anish Kapoor is Anish Kapoor, in the same way that if you're in architecture, oh, it's Frank Lloyd Wright's Waterfall House, I think it had a name, and they didn't care, and they didn't check, and they just said, look, do what you want. We're not in it for your design. We're in it because it looks good. It's an Because it's an <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. And I think that was such a shame because there's so many people out there that would have just relished that opportunity and would have put a slide in in the beginning. You know, it wouldn't have been an afterthought. It would have been... Fun should never be an afterthought, <laughs> should it? No, it should be first. Always first. <laughs> that question at design school, isn't it? Like, what's first? Functional form? And it's like, it's both. It's always both. There shouldn't be an and or an or. It's... It's both. It's a good TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Okay, well, listen, I've got my final one. Yeah. I'm not going to bother showing you any photos. My example of bad placemaking, the final one for this episode, are paths to nowhere. Paths to nowhere. So, or paths to somewhere, but they don't go in the right direction you know that moment where you're in a car park and you have to go through bushes to get to the shops because that's the most convenient way to go through because the path is far too far away and they've not actually thought about how people are going to move around spaces absolutely yeah so it's essentially my bugbear is when town planners placemakers or car park designers clearly don't think about the way people want to move through that space effectively yeah so again it's just down to that thoughtlessness of I've not actually considered how people are going to move around or how they would want to move around so for example in a public park where the path is so weavy and windy yeah and you've got the bits of worn out grass where everyone's gone for the direct cut through because not everybody goes to a park to mooch no and have a is that a term that everybody uses you know what I mean everyone mooches I'm sure perfect a proportion of people absolutely do but some people are going to use that park to get through it to go home or to go to their place of work or to go to the theatre or to go to wherever they're going to so if you are considering placemaking you have to consider the usage of the space that you're looking at um part of the thing that we really struggle with these days um is when we plan things we plan things for cars not for pedestrians, not for the mothers, the brothers, the cyclists, the homelessness, the skateboarding scourge that we are. Um, but yeah, it's all about cars. I'm reading a book at the moment called Happy City by Charles Montgomery, which is a very good book. And it's discussing how everything has been designed around cars. I'm not going to go into how the mass production of cars by Henry Ford had completely rechanged the shape of America, etc. Read the book. It's it's brilliant but everything we do now all across the world has been this sort of americanized i would drive round that bit round that bit and that's why they're not looking at the bushes they don't care about the bushes they're thinking we go in through that bit we come out through that bit and that's that's what design has become is just how can i get there on my car how can i get my car out and that's not what a park is that's not what the strip to the shops is and i think it's an unfortunate and a part of 
part of planning that really needs to be addressed is that it can't just be about cars and I would argue that it needs to be not about cars at all I mean if you look at how much we're urbanizing areas um pedestrianizing urban areas that's that's the way forward we need to start thinking about the green agenda we need to start thinking about what makes places nice for people I love walking through a bush but (laughs) (laughs) if I've got a weekend free I'm off in bushes like who wouldn't be everyone needs that that nature in of trees plants all those things need to be part of urban areas just as much as bins and benches and interesting things to look at yeah. yeah um cars don't no and I think um place there are some really wonderful initiatives and um movements happening in placemaking and it's a really wonderful uh sort of sector to be a very smaller part of um and it's but there's still work to do and whilst I know this was a bit of a, a bit of a judgy episode hopefully what it also does is um if nothing else remind people that things that are wrong can be put right that's it yeah and good planning is out there and helps and planning doesn't take that much time no and whether it's a good idea or a bad idea so long as you've got the community thinking it's a good idea then it's a good (laughs) idea you know we're not saying that your idea is a bad idea we're just saying that you took no one along for the ride with you that's it um so you gave a plug for a book so I'm gonna get give a plug for another book yeah um, mainly because I'm reading it now because you gave me the book I to did read give it you I read, read it and I was like straight on my phone Tilly I know you don't read you do read read this I know I just color in for a living to be honest <laughs> reading's not really on my agenda but this book I am enjoying so I do heartily recommend it and I will put the links to the books in the show notes as well but this one is designing creative communities by Spud Marshall um I like his name. His name reminds me of potatoes and rabbits because uh, Spud, obviously, and then my my rabbit is called Marshall. (laughs) Every time I look at the cover, that's all I think of is potatoes and rabbits. But um, the tagline for this particular book. (laughs) Yeah, your book is excellent, by the way. Thank you, Spud. Um, Your town is your canvas. Learn how to make your mark. So I heartily recommend that. I'm really enjoying reading that at the moment. And the book that Tracy recommends is? Uh, Happy City, again. Uh, So that's Charles Montgomery. He's sort of looking at urban areas, what happened to them, uh, why it doesn't work, why we went the way we did, why we're reversing the things that just aren't working anymore. And it's fascinating. I keep by the end so I read it just before bed and then my partner gets into bed and I'm like you'll never guess why they designed this the way that they did and he was like you're learning a lot from that book aren't you yes well good night (laughs) (laughs) so maybe it's a little too stimulating for bedtime but I don't care excellent books all around well thank you very much for joining us for this episode of up my street um join us again next time and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you can and definitely leave us a review because it does help us to grow we'll see you again soon goodbye bye
Up My Street is a Making Trails podcast produced by Matt Reed at Microbrew Radio with co-host Tracy Parr and hosted by Tilly Bancroft. Hello everybody and welcome to Up My Street. That's definitely going to be the outtake that I use at the end. <laughs>